0: In case you didn't recognize that, it's from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and that is the story of the wise men coming to visit Jesus. For those of you that aren't familiar with that story, and thank you worship team for leading us this morning, um, for those of you that aren't familiar with that story, that is the, the story of what we would call in the Christian calendar Epiphany. Uh, we celebrated on January 6th, which happens to be tomorrow, this Sunday. Today is the day when we traditionally honor and celebrate Epiphany. And um, that story that we just read is the story of the wise men and them coming to visit baby Jesus. They had seen the star from a long ways off and a long time before. And they had been following that star for quite some time. Uh, so there's some scholarly debate about how long, but most likely they didn't show up on Christmas Eve like we sometimes portray it. Uh, probably they came uh, maybe as much as two years later, and um, they had been traveling all this time, and they had come from far, far away, um, far east in some cases and other places, and they had assembled and they had seen this star, and it was guiding them, and it was showing them the place where a baby was to be born, but they knew him to be, or would be, the king of the Jews. And so they had been following the star, and Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, tells us a little bit of that story, and uh, the story of the Magi. It is on the Christian calendar, the second week of Christmas. How many of you feel like Christmas is over? celebrated, done, presents opened, trees put away. We put our tree away this week. Anybody else do that? Yeah. Uh, We had a little bit of a, kind of a scratching our heads moment, because normally I'm the one, when you get past Christmas, it's always like New Year's Day, we got to take down the tree. That's just, for me, it's just like I got to turn the page, turn the corner. Anybody like me? Got to get it done by New Year's? All right. Julia noticed nobody raised their hand, so I'm all, I'm an outlier, but. She is always like, can't we just leave it up for a little bit longer? And I'm like, well, wow, just for me mentally, I gotta turn the page and turn the corner. But that wasn't the case this year. She can testify. I was like, on New Year's Day, I was like, oh yeah, we got to the end of the day. I was like, don't we normally take down the tree today? And um, we just kind of talked about it. And she did it the next day. And I didn't. Even, it wasn't even on my radar, which just kind of tells you a little bit about my state of mind right now. This last week. I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't feel like I'm hitting the new year like running full steam. I am kind of limping into the new year a little bit. For some reason, I'm just kind of struggling to turn the corner this year. Uh, more so than past years. In past, I feel like I've been ready for it. How many of you feel like you're charging into 2020? All good, ready to go, like this is a new year. One hand. Thank you. You're all with me then, right? This this is just a struggle, isn't it, right? Anybody struggling a little bit, like to just kind of get ramped up and get going a little bit? Um, That's kind of how I'm feeling. Um, And kind of, they say, so goes the pastor, so goes the church. Yeah, I kind of feel like I'm not leading you all well right now. Um, And truth, there's some truth, that's why we laugh to that. And... um, but we are all in this together. How about that? Amen? Um, it is good to be here and it is good to be with you this morning. And uh, my goal this morning is to share a few ideas, a few thoughts about where I think we might be heading uh, during this coming year, 2020. Um, I am not going to play on all of the 2020 vision stuff. I'm not going to do all of that. You can work with that a little bit later. It's good. It's kind of fun and all that kind of thing. And yesterday we were at Bible quizzing and our teams did very well yesterday, by the way. We had two first place teams and a couple of first place uh, individuals. Yep. Very good. Um, we were very proud of our teams, but uh, as one of the celebrations, they had 2020 glasses and it was kind of fun to see. You got 2020 New Year's glasses, 2020 vision. Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing all that. So, it was uh, it's a good thing but we are moving into the new year i want to share with you a few ideas about where i think the lord is laying uh laying out for us to go in this new year more of this is going to be clarified if you were to come and join us at the end of this month we have what we call our annual meeting it is a opportunity for Anybody to come and hear a little bit more as we reflect on things that we've done in the past year, but also kind of lay out our vision and chart some core our course for the new year. Um, there's a little bit of business that takes place there, but it's also some vision casting. But I'm going to kind of start that a little bit with you this morning, and where I think we're going to be working throughout the year is uh, on this theme that we're going to call life together. Uh, this comes from a book. Some of you may have read the book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and the book is called Life Together. Um, it is a story, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is um, an inspiration to many, but uh, he lived back in the 19, early 1900s, early 20th century, and um, was very instrumental in Germany around the time of the rise of Hitler and Nazism, and then uh, into World War II, and eventually... Uh, lost his life uh, through some you know, scenarios around World War II and trying to uh, create a coup around killing Hitler and all that kind of thing. So his story is a fascinating story, and uh, the story of the church that he belonged to, the Confessing Church in Germany, was a story of trying to marry religion and politics and culture. And it's a fascinating story because he was living at a time of tremendous unrest and tremendous change in the life of German and the German people and the German church and the role of the church with the rise of Hitler and the role that Hitler played in the church and the religion and politics and all that sort of stuff. And and Bonhoeffer was trying to figure all this out and, and he was writing about what it meant to be a Christian community in the midst of all that instability and change and, and what role should the church play and what role should individuals play. And it seems kind of fitting, I think. It seems kind of fitting for us to, to go back and to reflect a little bit on his life but also to reflect for us what this new year kind of looks like as we begin to move forward. And so, Life Together, it's a play off of his book, and in the coming... Uh, month, we're going to be kicking off a new round of small groups. If anybody was not able to be a part of a small group in the fall, we have a new round that's beginning, and we'll have some sign-ups starting in a couple of weeks, and we are going to be walking through, starting in February for about 10 to 12 weeks, we're going to be walking through his book called Life Together, and so that will be the theme and the topic for us as we move into this. But the goal, as we begin to, to unpack this, is to begin to work out what it means to be a community of faith what does it mean to build a holistic community? Because as we begin to think about what we need to be as the church in the world and in the culture, and how do we engage politics? Anybody know there's a big election coming up in 2020? Yeah, we might be affected by that. Just to let you know, just a warning, you might be impacted by that. And so how do we as a church walk through that together, right? Because... It's going to be messy and ugly and probably uncomfortable, and we've already talked about that a little bit, right? A couple weeks ago, I talked about that some more, and it's going to be that kind of a year. So what does that look like for us, and how do we begin to walk through that and, and navigate that together and be the people of God, the people that... God has called us to be under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and in Jesus Christ. And that's what this book, this theme, this title is all about. So I'll walk through that a little bit more as I finish up today. But I'm starting this morning with epiphany. I'm starting this morning with this story of the wise men. The wise men are visiting Jesus. The the birth of Jesus Christ was the foundational, pivotal kind of change point, hinge point in history, right? Of course, the resurrection even more so, but the birth, the incarnation is where things started to, to really gravitate, take, take hold, and, and the incarnation he became human. We've talked all about that. But why why this story? Why does Matthew throw this particular story in there? It's a very interesting story because Matthew is writing primarily to a Jewish audience, But these men, these men are not Jewish. Matthew was writing his story to try and help the Jewish people understand that a Messiah had actually come. And who was spoken of in the prophets in the days of old was actually here and now. That was Jesus Christ. But these men are not Jewish. These men don't know the history of Israel in that way, right? But But they had known through some means, some mechanism, through the trade routes and the word that had gotten out, that there was supposed to be somebody significant born in Israel. And that star right there was representing something significant. And they were following it. They were not Jewish. They were Gentiles. They were of the world. They were of other cultures and all that It made me think, as I was reflecting on it, of Ecclesiastes 3.11. You might know that verse. He has set eternity in the hearts of men. There's something inside of all of us because of the way God created us that is longing and yearning and looking for something beyond ourselves. Looking for something, some sort of meaning, some place in life. And and how does all that we're going through now begin to make sense? It's this sense, this longing of eternity. He's put that in our hearts. But the writer, Solomon, or, or whoever it was, most likely Solomon, he says, but we, we just can't make sense of it. We just don't know. It's like he set this sense that there's more to life in our hearts, but we just can't quite make sense of it. So we're learning, we're searching, we're looking for it. And these wise men, they, they were searching and looking in the same kind of way. They were drawn to a Jewish king. But he wasn't king in that sense, right? He wasn't royalty. He wasn't born into royalty in that sense. Like he wasn't living in the palace or anything. He was a little baby. He was nondescript, ordinary, born in a house somewhere with a family that it just didn't look like it should. That's not how kings are supposed to come into the world. We know that story. And yet they found him, and that's, they followed that star, and that star led them to the place where he was born, and they met him there, and it says they were overjoyed. They were filled with joy when they came, and they found that it was exactly as they had been told. Somehow, through their ways and means, they had been told, and it was exactly the way it was supposed to be. In other words, God was working in their hearts just as He was working in the hearts of the Jewish people and God was speaking to the entire world. That is huge. That is significant. God is at work all around us. God is at work in the world around us. He's at work in the church. He's at work in schools. He's at work in your jobs. He's at work in your life, in your family. He's at work all around us. He's stirring things in the people all around you. We're drawn to something. We're drawn, but, but we don't know. Many people don't know what they're drawn to and how will they know unless they're told, Paul says in Romans. And how will they know unless they're told and that word is spoken and faith is encouraged in them. And whose job is, to, is that to do? It's not just my job. It's all of our jobs. God's stirring it in people's hearts. It's our job to go out and tell and bring people in. And it's our job to expand this community so that others can know about him. You'll catch on to this theme if you're paying attention this morning. There is a theme here. And that theme is that God is for the world, not just us. The wise men came because God had stirred something in them. And it wasn't just For Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. It was for the world. And the question I have out of that is what do we notice? What do we notice in the ordinary, in the simple, and the mundane? Because those wise men recognized in an ordinary baby that something was different. Those wise men saw in that little baby in a house in Bethlehem that the world had changed. How many times do we look around us and we see something ordinary but we don't necessarily recognize the significance or the impact? Because we're not tuned in. We're not touching the Lord on a regular basis. We're not reading His Word. We're not in prayer. We're not, in, we're not clued in by the power of the Holy Spirit to what's actually happening. And we miss the ordinary, the, the opportunities to be A Blessing to somebody or have somebody be a blessing to us or the the way God's changing the world all around us What do we notice in the ordinary because the wise men they saw something? They recognized it They followed it and then they rejoiced because they found it That's the story We ought to be living every day in our lives is recognizing, following, finding, rejoicing because Jesus Christ is who He says He is. And we know that. And we're to celebrate that. That's where worship comes from. Sometimes we think that when we gather in this kind of a space that when, when we're worshiping it's for God's sake. It's not for God's sake, it's for our sake. It's for our sake because we recognize He's done something. He is who He says He is. And and worship flows out from us. And it brings Him glory and it brings Him honor, but it's flowing out. Read Psalm 50 if you want to hear a little bit more about that idea. God says, I don't need your sacrifices. I don't need anything that you do. Like, you worship me because I'm God. These wise men, they did. They, They came, they found, they saw, they worshiped. Because it was exactly as it was foretold. But they recognized some things that they might have missed if they weren't paying attention. What's the significance? I've mentioned it a couple of times already. The significance is that it was a sign and a revelation to the whole world. The wise men, epiphany, them coming, them visiting. Uh, In the Latin cultures, we call it Three Kings Day. We celebrate that and and on the 6th, you, you set out a little box and you put a little grass in it and you, you wait for the camels to come. And, and then you celebrate with the kids and you put a little Christmas or a little present in there. And the camels come, they feed on the grass and the kids get a little present and then you have a meal together and it's, it's all in honor of this idea of the, the wise men coming. And it's a, it's a fun little celebration. If you want to do it, you can do it tomorrow. Read about it a little bit. It's a fun celebration. They responded... The wise men responded, and we have a clue of what it was they were responding to. It wasn't just that he was a king, but there was more to it, right? We have a little clue because of the gifts that they brought. We don't know if they were the only gifts he brought, and we, don't, we probably can assume there were more than three kings, but three gifts are mentioned, and so that's where the tradition comes from, right? But we could assume that there are more than three of these people, the three gifts give us a little clue into what they were seeing, what they were recognizing: gold, royalty. He was a king. It was reverencing his authority, his omnipotence, his power. He was a he's a king. Frankincense is a something that would be um, burned as an offering, an incense offering, recognizing his priestly character. And myrrh uh, is a is a burial incense thing, and and it would be kind of a setting the stage for his. Burial and resurrection. The gifts all by themselves were telling a story. They were given in response and given in worship because Jesus, they recognized, we need to recognize, is the hope and the reason for everyone. So, another question do we recognize Jesus as the hope for everyone or just a few? one of the things that happens, I think, really quickly is that when you come to church, when you surround yourself with a group of believers, when you work hard and you're working through life and you're being challenged in life, you can become kind of inwardly focused. Life is hard enough. We need each other and that's important. But what happens is that we lose sight of the fact that Jesus came for the whole world. And so we lose the emphasis, we lose the desire to reach out, we lose the desire to welcome and embrace people that we don't know. We we lose the effort and the energy to just give of ourselves. This coming year, I pray that that's not our story. In fact, we're going to work really hard that that's not our story. We want to reach out, we want to invite in, we want to recognize new people, we want to know that Jesus, we want them to know that Jesus came for them. And as we work through this and building holistic community, we're going to be building a community around these ideas that it's for us but for others. It's going to be a communal process of building life together. There's going to be a lot that's involved in that. Over the course of the next five weeks as we work through the ideas of life together, we're going to be discussing what distinguishes us as a community We'll be discussing what unites us as a community. In the third week, we'll be looking at what compels us as a community. The, what, what draws us to move out and to, to lean in and that sort of thing. A strong community is meant for others, not just for ourselves. And then we'll be looking at what defines us as a community. And then in the fifth week, we'll be looking at what disrupts life together. So all of those things are coming up if you want to prepare your heart and think and and invite people to come in and and talk about. We want to wrestle with this together. What does it really look like to do life together? And we're going to be working through all of that. We need to recognize that Jesus was the hope for everyone. That's the story of the wise men. It's the story for us. It's the story of the church. And it's the story for the world today, just like it was then. So, with a new year, new, renewed focus. We are a community. We are a community only because of Jesus Christ. We'll be talking more about that next week. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But we are a community because of Jesus Christ. We are a strong community for a purpose. It is important that we are healthy and strong together. And we are going to be moving forward together. Doing life together. The character of our community must embrace our mission. What's our mission? Those of you that have been here a long time, say it out together. Ready? Love God. Love each other. Serve the world. That is the mission of New Hope Free Methodist Church. That is not all that dissimilar from the mission of the entire Free Methodist Church, although the last part they would say make disciples. That's important. We believe in that. We believe in doing that through serving the world, right? But that's not all that dissimilar from the mission of the entire global church. To make Jesus known, to be a part of communities, to be alive and active and engaged and drawing people in and encouraging and walking them through the process of becoming Christians themselves. Making disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that God has commanded us. That's our mission. That's what we need to be doing. That's what we are going to be refocusing on in the coming year. What does all of that look like? This verse stood out to me this week. This is from the message version. Let me just read it for you. You can follow along. Regarding life together and getting along with each other, you don't need me to tell you what to do. I like that. (laughs) You don't need me to tell you what to do. You're God-taught in these manners. Just love one another. You're already good at it. Your friends all over the province of Macedonia are the evidence. Keep it up. Get better and better at it. I really enjoy that. I love the, the simplicity of that. We as Christians, so many of us, lifelong Christians, many of us growing up in this church, the Free Methodist Church, whatever, we know what to do. We know how to love. We know we've been taught and I could stand up here week after week and teach you things that are just rehashing things that you've learned over and over and over, the The goal for 2020 for us is to put it into practice more and more. To get better at it. To be a community that loves the world. We have to be a community that loves Jesus Christ first and foremost. And as we love Jesus Christ first and foremost, we will love each other increasingly. And as we love each other increasingly, people may be drawn to that and we can share that with others. But when it's authentic when it's real, when the love flows from our hearts. Not from an expectation, not from a way of doing things, not from a way of living life, but love that flows from within. Let's get better and better at it. We want to be a loving community that loves our community. Amen? That is the essence of where we are heading in 2020, we are going to be learning how to build holistic community together and what that means for the world around us. Your places where you inhabit every day, whether it's just at home, which is a beautiful place to invest in teaching about the love of Jesus Christ. Or whether it's your neighbors or your friends or whether you're, whatever it is. We want to be growing and learning more and more about what it means to do life together, authentically, real whole, biblical-based community. And we just want to get better and better at it. Here's some things that you can look forward to in this coming year. Uh, Our perspective course, if anybody's not signed up already, that is kicking off on January 20th. These are just some ways that you could get involved. We're going to be kicking off our small groups. I mentioned that already. I mention it again because it's important. Lodge it in your brains. Small groups, kick off the week of February 2nd first week of February there'll be some sign-ups that are happening in the next couple of weeks you'll hear some personal testimonies from some individuals where small groups made a big difference in their life just this last semester and so I would love for everybody in here to be a part of a small group that is that is where we take what we talk about here and we live it out we 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 Put some meat on the bones, you might say, and kind of figure out what it's like to walk out this journey in life, and you can get a little deeper than we can get here. So small groups are coming. I want everybody to be a part of that. Another big thing that's happening in 2020, many of you uh, several years ago signed up and were a part of our capital campaign, Indivisible to Indispensable. You'll be hearing me talk a lot about that in a couple of weeks, but that is coming to an end. And so what comes next? And what have we accomplished? And where do we go from here? It was, a, I think, a successful capital campaign. Cat out of the bag, whatever. You know, like, yes, I think we've had a great campaign. But now now what do we do? Where do we go from there? And I have some ideas. I think the Lord's leading us. A lot of it is rooted in this idea that we're ready to bring people in. We're also ready to go out and greet others and bring other, and, and tell other people about the good news. We've been in preparation mode. It's time to get into some action mode. So that is coming. We'll hear a little bit more about that and some other ways that if you want to stay involved in that campaign, if you want to stay involved in investing in the life of the church, we'll have some options for that as well. You can jump on board. Uh, We have regular opportunities for you to serve, ways that you can serve the world. Those are different opportunities already in place here, and others will be coming. Rain. Rochester Area Interfaith Hospitality Network. Serving homeless individuals or families in transition is a better way to say it. Uh, We do that four times a year. Our next opportunity is the first week of February. If you don't know what Rain is, you want to know more, please come talk to me. Uh, There are ways to volunteer. There's some things that you would need to do to sign up and be a part of that. But we'd love for everybody in the church to be a part of our Rain ministry. Some of that is on-site, some of that's off-site, and after the fact, whatever. So that's coming up the first week of February again. You can serve with the New Hope Immigration Legal Services Clinic. Uh, There are probably some ways that you can plug in there, and some regular opportunities, always some need there. Uh, We're looking for some longer-term, committed volunteers to to be involved in the work that's going on there, and that workload continues to be immense. Uh, So if you want to be involved, please let us know that. The upcoming ones, Market View Heights. If you don't know where Market View Heights is, if you were to go out uh, of our parking lot, turn right on Union Street, go over Main Street and go up by the public market, you're getting into the Market View Heights neighborhood. And we have some friends and some connections up there. And we're going to be building some more partnerships, potentially doing some movies in the park up there and doing some other kinds of outreach and some other things going on in Market View Heights. We're going to be working together with some people in the community. So it gives us a little bit more targeted place to do some service and some outreach and some ministry into the community. So all of that and some other things, I can't give it all to you right now this morning, but those are just some ways, if you are thinking, like, how do I put this into practice? Where do I go? What do I do? These are just some of the things that are kicking off just this month and over the course of the first quarter. uh, And then we'll be doing some more things throughout the year. Looking forward to 2020. Looking forward to the opportunity to take who we are, and let the world know about it, God is already at work. He's already stirring people's hearts. He's already at work out there. Are we paying attention? Are you pressing in, asking the Lord, where, how, what's going on around me? It's, it doesn't have to be a big mystery. One of the things that I'm learning... Again, this is as the pastor goes, maybe, whatever. This is something that I'm learning. But the idea that I have to invest to get something in return. Sometimes I'm a little too passive. Sometimes I'm a little bit too like, I'm praying God, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, show me, show me, show me. And God's like, Go do it. Go do what, what, what's on your heart. Get out there. Be my hands. Be my feet. Do what's on your heart. Do what I've gifted you to do. And I wrestle with it because I'm like, but, God, but I want to do the right thing. I want to know. I want to go the right place. I want to follow your will. And God's like, just go do it. You love me, right? I love you, right? Go serve me. Do what's on your heart to do. And I want that to be for all of us. The Lord is leading you, guiding you, pushing you, prompting you. Follow those prompts. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be the perfect thing, the right thing. It's, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Because God makes all things work together for His good. Amen? God makes all things work together for His good. And so we give, we serve, we love, we do what we can do to make him known and he works in the midst of all of that to help other people come to know him that's just a little bit scratching the surface this morning giving you a little bit of an idea of where my heart has been over the last week and a half and the complexity of all of this transition into the new year and just being a little off kilter some of you are off kilter we got to get kind of synced up and moving forward and we'll get back in rhythm as the new year comes. Right now, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to take some time and celebrate communion together. We're going to partake of the bread and the juice this morning. And one of the core things that communities do together, communities that are rooted in Jesus Christ, is they celebrate who He is through the Lord's table, through various other spiritual disciplines, and we'll be looking at those in the coming weeks. But I'd like you to now just prepare your hearts, prepare your minds. You don't have to be perfect this morning. You have to be surrendered. The table is open for those who have examined their hearts and who are looking to God and searching For his forgiveness and love and grace in your life. And as you surrender that. We invite you to come forward and partake and to receive. If you'd like to just have prayer this morning. If you'd like to come forward. Maybe for whatever reason you don't feel like you can receive it this morning. You can come forward. You don't have to partake. You can just come up. Maybe just cross your arms. Let us know you're not partaking. But we will pray with you this morning. Because we want you all to experience the grace that is extended to us through the table, through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. So I'll come back in just a minute. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to just reflect on what you've heard, what the Lord's saying to you. Seek the Lord. Seek his forgiveness. Surrender your hearts. Let's renew our focus for 2020. Amen?